Welcome to episode 46 of the Gumpurners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law joining you here tonight following Alabama's tough loss at the hands of the Texas A&M Aggies on the road at Kyle Field, the 12th man doing his thing. Alabama leaves Bryant-Denny Stadium, forgets how to play football. Boys, we're going to jump right into it. I know you guys have a lot to say because you guys are – I mean – I'm going to ask each one of you. I think you guys are maybe panicking a little bit more than I am, but I want to get your panic level. Let's say 10 being like not – okay, let's say 10 is losing three games. What is your panic level? Lester, let's start with you. How, how much are you freaking out following this loss? For the first time, against an unranked team in 101 tries since 2007. Alabama loses to an uh, unranked opponent. What is your panic level? Uh, the panic level question can go – can be phrased a lot of different ways, but if a 10 is losing three games, I mean, that ain't going to happen, uh, especially on the regular season. Um, the, my panic level as far as um, – in that sense is probably a, a one. I mean, I don't, I don't see a, another potential loss hopefully until the playoff. But if you want to know my panic level compared to the standard of Alabama football that every single one of us is used to um, over the past decade, over the Nick Saban era, then my panic level is probably about a seven or eight because what we're seeing is, is just not it right now. j how, how are we feeling, man? What, what, what is our level – of panic. I mean, and you know, I don't think anybody thinks that Alabama is going to go nine and three in the regular season, but let's just say making the playoff. What is your, what percentage? Well, I'll change it up. Uh, sorry, Lester, but Jell, what percentage would you give this Alabama team as of right now? What percentage would you give them of making the college football playoff? Considering a two loss team hasn't made the playoff. And that would mean Alabama has to beat Georgia in Atlanta to make the playoff. 12 to 15% chance to make it. You think this team, listen, that team isn't going to Jordan Hare and winning a game. If you thought, if you thought Aggie Land was loud on Saturday, wait until it's probably a 2.30 CBS kick. Hell, they might throw us a night game at Jordan Hare this year. Wait, wait till that one comes around. Yeah, that's not going to be any fun. This team, to me, the chances to make the playoff are so slim. The way that they have played the first six weeks of the year, excluding Ole Miss, it's almost like excellence against Ole Miss is the outlier, not the standard in which Alabama is playing with right now. If you take every quarter of football that Alabama's been in, played six games, they're five and one, so like 24 quarters of football, have they played maybe 10 great quarters? So all four against Ole Miss to me were solid. So they played six other really solid quarters of football the whole season. And maybe four other, three other of those came against Southern Miss, two good quarters against Miami. I mean, they only played one good quarter against Florida. And I really wouldn't say they played a great quarter of football against Texas A&M at all. My panic level is eight because I think this team could easily lose again in the regular season. And, hell, if they lose again in the regular season, they may not be in Atlanta. And with a loss right now, I mean, 
they're not you're not making the playoff right now if you don't get to Atlanta. You're not gonna back your way in like they did in twenty what, twenty seventeen, the year they won or yeah, the year they won at Natty against Georgia. You're not backing your way in into the playoff now. So I mean, you can't if you tell me that this team can beat Georgia the way that they've played over the first six weeks of the year, I don't believe you. I've had some people tell me they're still fine. I don't believe them. I just I think the the problem or the thing the thing that upsets me the most is the fact that like you're saying, if you go 12 and 0 and you face off against Georgia and Atlanta and you lose, I think you're still in the playoff. Especially, you know, because you would be number one. You would not lose your number one spot. You would lose to the number two team on a neutral site field, you know, that's closer to them and, and all that stuff in a conference championship game. But my panic level would be about a four. Um and I think that's just because I've seen Alabama lose before and completely the team's mentality just completely changes. And, uh, and, and I'm not talking about 2019 whenever Tua snapped his hip out of place and then you got to go after you've already lost to LSU, then you got to go play Auburn on the road with Mac Jones um, in his second career start or third career start. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, uh, a 2015 situation where you lose um, to Ole Miss. I'm talking about a 2012 situation where you lose to Texas A&M. And the mentality that uh, that the team creates after that. And Nick Saban told us on his coach's show two or three weeks ago, don't lose respect for winning. And, and whenever you do that, um, you know, when you when you lose respect from winning, this is the type of stuff that happens. And I think he wasn't just saying that to the fans. I think that was a message to his team as well, because everybody had gotten this image of Alabama beating being so unbeatable. And everybody forgets that Alabama, you know, they lost however many on defense and offense, you know, to the to the NFL draft. And I understand at Alabama, they recruit better than anybody else. They don't rebuild, they reload. I understand all that, but at the same time, this this image of Al, that Alabama's created because they haven't lost a game in almost two whole years, um, it's just I, I'm not. I want to see. I will not panic above five until I see what Alabama does the next two weeks. Now, if you go to to start full this week because you have another road game and you have another hostile environment, if you think Miss State isn't loud. Uh, buddy, you get 60,000 cowbells going. It's just as loud as any stadium in the country when they want it to be. And they're going to be hungry for Alabama because guess what? The team that just beat you, Mississippi State, went into the same stadium two weeks ago and beat them. So their mentality is, hey, if A&M can do it, we were better than Texas A&M on the road. We're playing them at home. We can beat them too. And that's the mentality that they're going to have. And so – I'm interested to see. I mean, obviously Vegas thinks that Alabama's going to come back with a vengeance because they're a 17-point favorite on the road in Starkville this week. They were 17 and a half point favorite last week on the road at Kyle Field. So I'm I'm waiting. I have a little bit more patience. I'm not going to sit here and you know say fire everybody. No, I don't agree with what Pete's doing. I don't agree with what Bill O'Brien is doing. We'll get into that later. But I'm not going to sit here and say fire everybody. You know, the sky's falling. Alabama's definitely not making the playoff because we've seen before. I know it's been a while, and I know this team is not like those teams, but until they give me a reason that, you know, they're not going to respond in the, in the correct way, 
then I, I'm not going to panic on these guys. I still think Alabama right now is the second best team in the country. I think if you put them on a neutral field against Iowa, I think they win the game. Uh, Cincinnati, uh, who, who else? Inside? Oklahoma. I think Alabama beats them. And I'm not so sure they don't stick with Georgia. And But I need to see, you know, because and, and another thing, I'm a big believer that nobody fixes mistakes better than Nick Saban. And I think he's going to get in there with Bill O'Brien be like, look, dude, when we get inside the five, stop throwing the football, at least on first down. Let's try to run it on first down, and then we'll go from there and see what kind of, what they're throwing at us, if they're bringing anything different, and see if we can run a play action off of it or whatever. But I'm not going to panic until I see how the team reacts. Um, let's start with the defensive side of the football. Uh, I know we're going to talk about both coordinators. So, Lester, let's talk about Pete Golding. You saw um, – what's his name? Weidermeyer. It's his first name. I don't even know. But uh, Weidermeyer's – just murdered Alabama for three years. Um, you know, we, we haven't been able to cover him. And, three, and he only caught three balls, but, you know, he caught for 75 yards, uh, touchdown. Uh, he's, he's just running wide open. He's not making circus catches. He's running wide ass open. And, um, you know, Drew Sanders was out. Uh, so you started um, Dallas Turner, a true freshman. He played a lot. And then you lose Malachi Moore, like the second or third play of the game. So he's gone. You throw Brian Branch in there, who's played a lot of football, so it shouldn't have been that much of a drop-off. But Lester, talk about Pete Golding and what you saw early from the defense, because we all know that they cranked it up in the third quarter. I think A&M had like 13 yards at one point late into the second half. Um, but, you know, whenever it mattered, uh, whenever A&M needed to drive, they just casually punched us in the mouth and drove down the field. Lester, where do you think the biggest problem is on defense? Or just talk about the big problems that you see on defense that you saw on defense in this game Saturday. Before I jump on Pete, is there a talent issue at, at no. Alabama? No, there's you not. Don't think so. Uh, no, because uh, Phil Steele knows more about college football than anybody in the world, and uh, this guy labeled Henry T as the number one inside linebacker and Christian Harris the number two. Uh, we have talked about the interior defensive line play. I think that's a big hole in Alabama. That's a big yep. hole in Alabama City. I, I will give you that one. I think there is a lack of talent and development at that spot. Um, but, gosh, you're talking about two guys out of 11. I know everybody's important, but, I mean, you're talking about battle that won a national championship last year. Josh Job was just as good as Sertain last year, man. I mean, he was locked down over there. Uh, Malachi Moore, all SEC as a freshman. I mean, you've got – a lot of guys that played last year. I mean, I, I understand that you lose Chris Allen and he's not easy to replace, but Drew Sanders was playing excellent football. And I know he wasn't there, but I don't definitely don't think that that lost us the game, but I don't think there's a time. I mean, Will Anderson's the best damn linebacker in the country. Uh, he's, he's, he's leading the country in tackles for loss, but I think maybe, maybe as a group, um, well, I mean, if, if you really watch it early in the game, Alabama brought four, and A&M kept six in to protect. They just busted the damn coverage in the back end. That's the problem. And, and why uh, does that happen? I, I don't why? know. And, that, and that's got to be a Pete Golding issue. It's got to be a communication problem. It's a communication problem. You saw whenever Weidemeyer caught the first touchdown, Some I don't know who it was. I haven't heard anybody talk about it. But Branch and Helms were the two involved. Somebody was in man, somebody was in zone. I don't know who was wrong, so I'll put the damn blame on both of them. Right. That that can't – it just – 
it can happen, and it always does. You know what I mean? It's not like this is something that's been happening this year. It's been a consistent thing. Um, like somebody somewhere, the coverage is going to bust. And it seems like, you know, when you're an opposing team and you're giving Alabama trouble, it's like you almost know that's going to happen at some point. Like Bama's going to screw up. You know what I mean? It's nothing that Texas A&M did anything special. or it, It's like it's self-inflicted. And I, I just have a hard time wondering why is that happening? You know, is it? You know, you got 107,000 people screaming at you. It's loud. Are the, are the calls not being really loud? The calls not get in. Now, um, you know, you got you know, Henry T there, you know, your leader. And I know Malachi, you know, the leader in that back end, the excellent player, you know, he's – they say he's pretty important in getting, you know, guys lined up, make sure that the call's right and all that good stuff. And he was out. But, dang, man, like, you, you, you practice – you've been doing this since – a-Day, at least, all summer, film, all, why, why aren't they prepared for these situations? It's so much easier to digest a loss if they were just a better team and just kicked their ass. And they weren't. They were not. Clearly, a backup quarterback, they have injuries all over the place. And I don't, I don't know, just defensively, you know, now kudos to the second half, but they have yet to play a complete game yet, and it came back to bite us, you know? I, well, yeah, I, it's, and it's, it's frustrating. One thing that I, another problem that I could forecast is that, you know, when you're playing against these teams, everybody's going to save something for you. Now, I'm not. A hundred percent sure Texas A&M did that or not. I have not watched Texas A&M a lot this year. And so I cannot tell you exactly what their offense does, but, you know, maybe a, a different formation or, you know, I think a couple of times the running back is on the same side as the tight end. You don't see that a lot. Um, and, and so I'm sure they threw wrinkles at Alabama, but the problem is by now you ought to know that's coming. You ought to know that every single team you play, is going to have something different for you than what they like. Alabama might as well not even watch film. They, they might might as well not even watch film on their opponent because they're not going to get that same offense most of the time. Or either they're going to get the same offense, but they're going to have a wrinkle in it. And uh, and so my question is, why do you not just plan to run your base defense? You know, bring four, bring five, whatever you feel like, and then adjust based off of what the offense is doing. Stop the run first. And then adjust to, to what the offense is doing. And I think maybe Golden got a little too cute on the first drive after Malachi went out. And uh, and then, you know, they busted the covers for a touchdown. But, uh, you know, J-Law, just bringing you in on this same point, um, where do you think the biggest issues with Alabama? Um, I think another issue is their inside linebacker play. Henry T. and Christian Harris have not lived up to their height. And, I mean, Henry T. has been all SEC for two years, man. And uh, this dude coming over was the number one rated transfer in the country. And, and he is a stud they brought in. He just – he hasn't been playing the way he's supposed to be playing. It's Coach, I, 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 listen, when you start talking about broken tackle, guys that can't tackle, guys being out of position, the talent is there. Chris Harris is a top 100 linebacker. Henry Toto was the number one or number two inside linebacker coming out of high school. Will Anderson, Drew Sanders. I mean, and this is what, does Alabama win with Drew Sanders? Probably. 
because they have they don't have I mean they have more pass rush they don't have to try to mix it up but there's it's not a talent problem now do they have all the talent in the world at defensive line they have talent they don't have Georgia talent on the D line I do I think Freddie Roach is doing a great job with that defensive line no I don't and it's tough to say that about an Alabama alum people will probably be mad about it. This is an overall coaching issue. I mean, DeMarco Helms, dude, turn around. Just turn around one time this year. Josh Joe, hey, ball's in the air. You know how you know the ball's in the air? The receiver's sitting there looking at it. He turned around looking for it. Why are you picking up a pass interference? If DeMarco Helms turns around in the fourth quarter right there, he, he intercepts the ball. Instead, as, as the coach pisses down his leg, gets a pass in the ball, it's A&M's set up with a bad kicker, to kick a chip shot, and it would have been at least a 47-yarder to try to win the game instead of being at the 10-yard line. So I think it's a coaching problem. It's hard to mess up when you have a lot of talent, and I do think a lot of talent um, overshadows a little bit of maybe the, um, the, the lack of coaching from Pete Golding. So Pete Golding is a nobody in this world. If you admit, this guy, is not, he does not have a Jeremy Pruitt pedigree. He does not have a Kirby Smart pedigree. The guy was at yeah, Texas San Antonio before he got to Alabama. I mean, it's not it's not like Pete Golding um, was Will Muschamp with Nick Saban and LSU. And I think talent has hidden a little bit of his deficiencies. And I also think that, you know, last year when people backed off Pete Golding a tad, and I'm not trying to ride Pete Golding, but there's no doubt that since Jeremy Pruitt left, Alabama's had the worst defenses it's had. Under the Nick Saban era, the offense has gotten better, yeah. But Georgia's out here holding teams to under 14 points a game, under less than a touchdown a game. I mean, that, it's, it's all a problem. And to me, Alabama's going to have to do something about the coaching side on defense if they want to get this right. Last year didn't matter. Mac Jones is going to score 50 on everybody. That offense was going to score 50 on everybody. This year is not the case. And um, it, 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 if you bust two coverages that end up in touchdowns, you're going to lose some games. And you saw it Saturday, especially when the offense has games like that. You can't do that on the road. That's to me. You just can't do it on the road. That's it, Brian. Denny, dude, comes back and wins this game. And they probably win it 52-31 after being down 14-0. But on the road, with your offense, you know you're going to struggle in front of 106,000 fans. You can't bust two coverages. And it's all coach. To me, to me that's coach. Yeah, and, and maybe there's a reason that Pete Golding has been Alabama's defense coordinator for three years. Because if you're at Alabama and you're the defense coordinator and you're worth a damn, then somebody picks you up. I mean, you look at all the other ones. Pruitt wasn't there very long. You know, everybody was trying to get at Kirby. He was just waiting for the right job to open up, and he did. And now, he, you know, he's, he's reaping the rewards from it. But, uh, you know, this team, it's just – this game, I wouldn't say this team, this game was so crazy in the fact that, uh, that you know, A&M just stepped up and made the plays when they needed to and made the drives when they needed to, and Alabama didn't. And I don't think you need to look too deeper into that um, because, you know, you, you, can, you can bitch all you want about um, the running the ball or throwing the ball in the goal line, all that stuff, but – Nick Saban came out and told everybody if Billingsley runs a good route and he actually gives a damn, then that ball is completed because he couldn't, he didn't get any separation from a linebacker, which is awful. You know, that, that's something that he's supposed to be able to do is run away from a linebacker and he didn't do it. He was half assing. 
Um, you know, the fumble on the on the third down in our own territory when there was just a, just a high handoff, just a mistake by Bryce, and, and you know him and B Rob couldn't get it together, and the drop touchdown by Cameron Latu. Uh, it's just Alabama, you know, the drop pass on the last drive. Dude, Alabama, AM ties it up, 38 up, and Alabama gets the ball back with three minutes to go. There was not one Bama fan that thought that they were going to lose that game. Just, I mean, the offense has been methodical really all night, at least getting into the red zone. Then he just run out the clock and, and let Riker hit a little chip shot field goal. But you know, Billingsley just can't catch the damn ball. He had a, he had a, probably the worst game that he's ever had while he's been at Alabama. Um, and, and I don't know where he's at this season uh, mentally. I, I don't know if he's just pissed off at Saban for benching him or or what the case is, but he doesn't look like he gives a damn out there. Um, and then, you know, A&M's quiet the whole second half offensively. They get the kick return for a touchdown. and, uh, and But, you know, they get the ball five minutes back. And when they needed to drive – Defense couldn't do anything, and like you're saying, J. Law, I mean, the, there's a real problem in the uh, in the secondary with them turning or not turning and looking for the ball, and uh, and you know that's on Nick Saban, and that, that that those are his boys, that that's his group that he coaches, and he's got to do a better job. You know, I'll hold him accountable just like I'm going to hold Pete and uh, Bill O'Brien accountable. Um, the got, DBs have been this awful a, this year. If you just think about Pete Golding. Tenure. We'll let Lester get back in here too. There's been three games, three games that he has needed to get a stop. Just one since he's been the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Three games where Pete Golding needed one stop in the in the fourth quarter, and they win the game. LSU 2019. If he finds a way to get one stop, Alabama wins the game. Auburn. 20, I don't care what Matt Jones can find a way to get one stop and wins the game. And here we are back Saturday. I don't care what Pete Golding's defense did in the third quarter. Zach Calzada is not good. They have a horrible offensive line. They have one guy to throw the ball to. You got to get one stop, Pete Golding. This game's about – it's not just about it's, – it's a four-quarter game, but it's a momentum game. And if Pete Golding can just find a way – he's never found a way in any big spot, Lester – to get the, the one stop that he's needed. He's 0 for 3 in games where maybe his offense just needs – his offense has made a few mistakes. Can he bail us out at all? And, and he's 0 for 3 in all three of those games in his tenure when Kirby Smart and Jeremy Pruitt – dude, I'm just saying I know he's not those guys, but when they're the D.C. at Alabama, they win those games almost every time. Do, do those guys on our defense love Pete Golding? When Jeremy Pruitt and Kirby Smart were roaming the sidelines, those dudes freaking loved some Jeremy Pruitt. They loved some Kirby Smart. Like, would take a bullet for those guys and would do the same for their teammates on the sideline. Like, I, I don't know. I, you know, every time a loss happens and people are always talking about, you know, previous teams and yada, yada, yada. Do, would anybody on this defense fight another teammate because they gave up a first down? I don't, but I damn sure remember Nick Saban not wanting any part of Ronnie Harrison and Ruby Foster about to kill each other on the sideline. Where's that intensity on our defense now? Where Where is it? Where did it go? Because it's not there. 
there's a certain pride that you have to have to play defense, a certain amount of just pissed off, a certain amount of this guy is not going to beat me. And where has that been at? Where is it at? Is there is there if if you knew you were gonna go to a bar and get in a fight right now, who on our defense would you want backing you up? Because I don't I don't know where's 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 that where's that personality at? You know who I want to back me up? Ruben Foster. Um, oh yeah, because he's got a Ronnie, Ronnie Harrison. It don't matter, but you know what? He probably choked somebody, took the life out of somebody. And I don't know if there's anybody on our defense who I would be afraid that that would happen to. You know what I mean? Bro, they don't. Like, they don't like, care because the offense has been the offense has been bailing them out for three years. They don't have any sense of pride because they think Mac Jones is going to throw it to Devontae Smith three times, and they're going to be in the end zone in 35 seconds. And they usually get skewed. Go, you know, oh, it's a, it's a spread soft. error. Everybody gives up 20 points a game. You know, they use that as an excuse. Like, a lot of fire under your nuts and say, you know what, I'm going to give up 15. I'm going to give up 14. You know, right. I'm going to be so much better than you, and I'm going to completely eliminate the run with six guys in the box. There's not a damn thing you're going to do about it. That's what Georgia does. And that's what makes you so good because Georgia's defense looks a lot like what Alabama's look like in 2016 because yep. they don't have to bring pressure to stop the run. They're going to stop it with four guys or five guys or six guys if you want to put a tight end in the box, then we'll put we'll put six in the box as well. And even though you got us outnumbered, we're we're so good at getting off of blocks that it doesn't matter. That that's so true. I guess that's that's kind of a long roundabout way of me saying that these guys are just freaking soft, soft. There's nobody that that comes off as he's tough to me on our defense. Now there very may well be things have changed now. Um, you think you see more personality with all this NIL stuff or whatever going on, but I don't see any dogs on the defense. You know, it, it's just can, can Jameson Williams soft. play defense? Can Jameson right. go play defense? He ain't scared to talk right. to anybody. I, at first, at the beginning of the year, guys stood out. It just it was making me mad how much Jameson was talking because I always thought he was going to get a penalty. But if you look at our defense, all right, well that guy just scored a seventy-yard touchdown because nobody was near him. Yeah, it's okay because kind of, it's a spread offense. I mean, they just they trot back over to the sideline and you know and, and another and dude, I remember Nick Saban. I know he probably chews Pete Golding out. We don't they don't have a camera on him all the time. But I just remember him just chewing ass. And he never had to chew Sark's ass. He can't chew Bill O'Brien's ass because he's in the box. I mean, how I mean, valuable would it be for Bill O'Brien to be on the sideline during yeah, that game? To well they talk got to his quarterback. They got publicly humiliated Lane Kiffin so bad five or six years ago that it's still talked about to this day. Y'all realize yeah. that? They show Lane, they showed that video whenever they can of him just following Kiffin's ass up and down the sidelines, just giving it to him. Why, did, why, why was Kiffin the only one? And I get he's a smug asshole and that he needed to be humbled probably, but I don't give a damn if you've coached in the NFL. I don't give a damn if you were at Penn State. Bill O'Brien deserves that same treatment. And if you can't handle it, then get the hell out. Hey, listen, I, I'm a, I, I like – Bill O'Brien has done an okay job for me. I thought he choked away the second half of the, the Florida game. But this game is inexcusable. Brian Robinson is the best running back in the SEC. Yeah, he's better than Tank. He's better than Hunter. He's better than the number 28 that we just played Saturday. He's the best running back in the SEC. The guy's got six yards to carry, running all over you, and we're running left. We get in the red zone. Six red zone attempts, guys. 
six red zone attempts, 15 plays inside of the 10. Or, yeah, 15 plays inside of the 10, Alabama threw it 10 times. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's just like we picked a really bad day for Pete Golding and Bill O'Brien to have really bad days together. Yeah, and it goes back to, you know, it, it, you can narrow it down to four or five plays that, that Alabama just screwed itself on. And, um, I mean, I still don't think they got beat in the game because, I mean, you look at the stat box, Alabama dominates it. I mean, they have more first downs. I mean, A&M was only – you know, they're 40% on third down, which is okay, I guess. But, I mean, Alabama was nine out of 19. Alabama goes for 150 more total yards. Uh, you know, they threw it more. They ran it. They ran for 60 more yards. They threw for almost 100 more. And, and so, I mean, Alabama, it, they, they dominated the stat box, but it doesn't matter. Whenever you needed to have a big play, it was just one of those games where Alabama just made bad play calls inside the red zone. And the play calls that were made, they didn't execute them. And, uh, because I'm, you yeah, know, Will Riker can't kick it where he's supposed to kick it. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, he he uh, does that ninety nine uh, times out of a hundred, and the one time that he f's it up, it's got to be on the road in a clutch situation. You cannot kick that ball to the hash. You either kick it out of bounds, or you kick it eight yards deep. Don't don't kick it down the hash and give him a chance to take it to the house on him because there's nobody on that side, dude. Alabama uses about. 35 yards of the field width-wise whenever they kick off. They don't have anybody to cover the other the other 16 yards or whatever it is, and, and, or 18 yards. And so if you kick it too far to the right, you're screwed. And that's exactly what he did. And the guy just ran left, and there was nobody there. And then you end up losing the game. And that was probably the biggest play of the game because Alabama had just blocked a punt and recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. And you have all the momentum. The stadium is about as quiet as it's been all night because you mounted the comeback and you've gotten there. And then you just give it right back to them. Here comes the crowd, and you're screwed the rest of the game. Hey, Lester, what about those receivers, dude? I, so, oh boy. You know, all right. So, before, before we get to the receivers, regarding Bill O'Brien, what does he do as a defensive coordinator that scares you? What does he do as a defensive coordinator that's like, dang, are they gonna pull, are they gonna, are they gonna try this? Are they gonna do this? Are they gonna do that? And the answer is freaking nothing. Bill O'Brien might as well have the a Madden 22 playbook, ace, pistol, shotgun, just some basic ass shit. And that's what he. He does nothing that's special well, out of I mean, the ordinary to get the playmakers in position. And you know what? You know the thing about that, too, is we don't have a Judy, a Ruggs, a Waddle. If you got those guys, you can get – You can get, you can get away with it. Yeah. In, the, in the sand, you can get away with it. Half of, you know, half of the excitement on offense under Sark and under Kiffin is like, dang, what, is the, what are these guys going to do to get these guys into space? Not that these future first-rounders need any help at all creating separation from the guys, but you know that Sarker Kiffin, they're yeah. going to dial something up, something crazy, and it's going to look cool, it's going to be fun, and it's going to score a damn touchdown. And there is nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing that Bill O'Brien has done this year to prove that he, that he even has the ability to even think about doing something like that. You couple that with Jameson Williams being the only guy 
who seemingly gives a damn in the wide receiver room because everybody else either you suck or you don't have the talent. And and I I, I don't I don't it's 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 crazy to think about Javon Baker. He got suspended for you know rumors whatever reason. He knows that he needs to be on the field over Slate. If he's willing to tweet it about it or whatever, what's a Jai Hall? And what are those other you know superstar freshmen? What are they talking about to themselves? You know what I'd be talking about? Damn, what offense looks really cool to play in because it ain't Alabama's right now. It it damn sure ain't having Tuscaloosa. Ja'Cory Brooks blocks, but he blocked the punt. If I'm him, my ass is running over to Nick Saban the next offensive series, and I'm saying, hey, I want to go around. I just, I yep. just did my thing on special teams. I got to get this game. And you're 100 yep. right. What are these guys thinking? Like, man, it'd be really fun to catch balls at Oklahoma right now, where I'm going to get to play. Slade Bolden's playing over a Jai Hall. JoJo yep. Earl it has no impact because he's the fifth read. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Dude, you just landed four top 70 receivers in the country. I wouldn't be surprised if two of them transferred. Christian Leary, is he even on the roster? Put him somewhere. Because yeah, I like Jameson Williams. John Mechie, dude, he dropped a slant route because he's begging for a penalty on a, on a pivotal – he's either second long or third down. I mean, dude, you're on the road, bro. You're going to get held, and you're not going to get the penalty. Shake that shit off and go catch the ball. I, I just – I mean, Slade's not any good. Um, you know, John Mechie doesn't have any burners. I don't really think he's even as reliable as anybody thought he was going to mm-hmm. be. Jamison Williams is the only dog. So if I'm Corey Brooks or Hall or JoJo Earl, I'm saying, God, man, put me in the game. Javon Baker, you know, next year, he probably wasn't going to be much on the field anyways because of those other guys. But, dude, you've got, you've got to have some weapons out there on offense. That, that make it easy. It should be easy. Bill O'Brien should have said, man, I'm taking this job. I'm about to average 550 yards and 45 points per game, and I'll be a college head coach or an NFL head coach next year again. Not let me have this grinded out NFL philosophy where, you know, uh, we're on the road. Let's play it close and try to win it in the fourth quarter. That's so NFL. You're on the road in the NFL. Let me grind this out and try to win. Dude, you're Alabama. In the NFL, everybody has the same players. There's the parity is so, it's just so equal talent wise in most parts of the NFL. Did you Alabama? You have more talent. Just go end the game. He could. I mean, that's that's what kills me. He just won't end the game, and he had plenty of chances to. Even when we were down 14-0, he still could have come back and ended the game. Just couldn't do it. Hasn't found a way to do it yet. I actually think that his uh, his play calling outside of the red zone to me was very good Saturday. It, it was very good. And, I agree uh, with that. And I think it's just like like you're like you guys are talking about you're 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 pushing all the right buttons. It's a personnel problem. And I I, I texted y'all after. I mean, Alabama's first drive was methodical. And I told y'all I said we ran three different players. I think JoJo's in the backfield, B Rob, and uh, and Slade. But it's a personnel problem. Whenever Slade motions out of the backfield, have you noticed how the defense just does not move because they don't care. He is not a threat. Now, when one motions, you see you see them pointing, and they're they're communicating because that's a dog going to motion. Whenever six went in motion last year, the defense was talking. To, they were talking to each other, letting everybody know, "Hey, he's on the move. You better keep an eye on him." When eighteen goes in motion, nobody moves. Nobody even looks his way because he's not a threat. And if he does catch it for six yards, he's only going to get seven. Because you're just going to go and blow on him and he's going to fall down because he's nothing. And, and so, yeah, I think that him taking snaps away from JoJo Earl has got to stop. Um, I think that 
I, I can't figure out why um, why Cameron Latu is not used outside of the 10-yard line. I think he caught his first pass outside of the red zone this year um, on, like, the second drive of the game or something, maybe the first drive. I can't remember when he just slipped out and Bryce hit him on a third down. And uh, so I don't understand why he's not used more in between the 20s. Um, and, 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 yeah, I, I mean, Mechie, he's, he's struggling. And maybe it would help Mechie if he was to get benched, to be like, look, dude, I don't care if you've been here three years. I, I don't care if you've gotten playing time all three years you've been here. You're not above it. You're not above riding that pine. And uh, if you put somebody like Hall or Brooks in there or Treshawn Holden and get Mechie out of the game, maybe it sends a wake-up call to him that, hey, you are replaceable, and we will replace you if you don't continue to work hard and do what you got to do. Plus, Saban's going to sit here and make the excuse about how he's been hurt. Get his ass off the field then. Give somebody else a shot. And and so I think Bill O'Brien's run scheme has improved tremendously. You heard me after the Mercer game. I was really hard on that, and it bled over into the Florida game. That was a abysmal running performance down there as far as scheme goes. Um, but I just – I don't understand the lack of consistency because, Lester, we watched the game together Saturday. How many times – we go down the first night and throw the touchdown to Roy Dell Williams. I mean – there was nobody within 15 yards of him. Everybody else ran ran somebody off, and Bryce just flips it out to Roy Dale, who runs 15, 20 yards for a touchdown and gets hit maybe at the goal line. That's how deep everybody was. And how many times, Lester, am I just like, throw it to the running backs? Throw it to the running backs. Like, get them in the route tree. And I understand that you want to keep them in there to protect, but that's your check down. Throw it to one of those studs in space. Nobody's going to tackle Brian Robinson one-on-one, and nobody's going to tackle Roy Dale Williams one-on-one, especially because it's probably going to be a linebacker. And so I think that needs to come into play. We need to use the running backs in the passing game. I think you need to use Law 2 outside of the red zone. I don't think he has to be just a red zone brother because nobody worries about him until they get in the red zone, and then they try to find him. But – uh. I think that Bill O'Brien outside of the red zone Saturday was had a, a good plan. I'd like to see more consistency, though. I'd like to see more fly motion and more jet motion. And um, so I, I have some confidence that he will improve. But, you know, as it stands, he, 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 it was a lot on him this Saturday. You know, whenever you get in the red zone, you throw it three straight times and then you throw a pick on the two-yard line, that, that's a tough pill to swallow, and that's going to unfortunately fall back on him. Well, I hadn't talked yeah. about Chris Owens yet. Oh, oh, oh yes. Yeah, an- oh, another okay. personnel yeah. problem that needs to change. How many, how many times can you watch? How many hours of film can you watch if you're Doug Marone or Nick Saban and be like, is this really the best I have? I, I understand that the backup is young. I get it. But Texas A&M just started two true freshmen, blew your ass off the ball. So we, we can't afford one. It's not, it's not like it's the left tackle. We're not asking you to replace the left tackle. Because, you know, if Evan Neal goes pro, one of these guys is going to have to start at left tackle because Chris Owens is a senior. And I don't give a damn if he came back for his COVID year. I, I don't care. You know, in Nick Saban, all we hear is I'm supposed to play the best players, blah, blah, blah. You're not doing it, bud. It's a big-time personnel problem on the right side of the offensive line. Bro, if, if J.C. Latham or Tommy Brockermeyer are not better than Chris Owens is right now, then 
Because Chris Owens isn't close. He is he the worst tackle that Alabama has played since 08? I, I I'd have to say so. I mean, literally, Alabama has not been that that bad at a tackle spot since 08. And that's with true freshman Cam Robinson, Jonah Williams, Evan Neal, the whole crew, Dominic Jackson. I mean, you're talking about it, we've had some we've had some good tackles, we've had some okay tackles. Dude, Chris Owens is bad. So at some point you just gotta look at it and say, man, if if JC Latham has six starts under his belt to tackle right now after the AM game, would he be better than Chris Owens is right now? Probably. Would still be five and one? Probably. Would you not have a liability at right tackle anymore? Probably. I mean, that's that's just my logic. Like, yeah, you know, Chris Owens, he got you there through six games, but yeah, JC Latham would probably be better by now. Is it too late? Is that what you're saying? That maybe it's too late, so they're not gonna change? Well, I mean, do you want J.C. Latham's sixth game to be against Auburn? Sure. His twelfth game sure. to be against Absolutely. Auburn? Absolutely. Well, right, right now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Change, but, yeah. But I think it would have been much better for his twelfth game to be in Jordan Hare, not a sixth one. Yeah, and, you know, there's <laughs> – yeah, there, there's, there's an issue. And when you have an offense – and I'm not saying we have great pass blockers across the boards. I don't think we do. I think Dalcourt gets beat a lot. Um I think Bryce screwed up a lot on Saturday. I'll put some blame on him, too, because remember, Lester, I kept telling you, say, hey, when he goes to the line, he's not changing the play. He's changing the protection. And there was multiple times where Bryce would slide the line to the right and the blitz would come to the left. There's guys breaking it down on Twitter. Like, what the hell are you saying? There's guys walked up on the left, and the offensive line would slide to the right, and he'd have to cross the running back over to the left. That doesn't make any sense. You slide the line to where the numbers are, to where they're showing the blitz, and if they don't come there and they bring it from the other side, then you've got your back on the right side to protect. And so I don't think Bryce did a really good job with that. But, yeah, Chris Owens got beat in one-on-one protection just about every single pass drop. And, and, you know, so, yeah, I know it's – a lot of people might think it's too late. But, dude, you still got two winnable games and then you've got a bye week. If you can play him now, Latham or Brockhammer, I don't care – um, I know Latham was there all fall camp um, as a backup slash starter or whatever. But, uh, yeah, if you could do it now and then get into the bye week and work on mistakes or anything that he's doing, you know, I, I think it's going to help a lot. Why weren't they prepared for that? You don't think saving the blitz? Picking up blitzes. That's elementary, Man. Lester. I, I'm, That's I'm, I'm saying, saying I, like, you know how many snaps I've taken a quarterback? One. I, and I threw a hitch route my senior year. My coach let me throw a hitch route. I didn't have to change protection. But I know enough football to see that, and I know what he's t- talking to linemen. I'm like, hey, there's two backers walked up right there. Well, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you sliding them to the right? That's just football right. IQ. That's, That's something Bryce lacked. It's something. It's something. And do you know why they feel comfortable doing that? Because they know there's no dogs. They know that there's one person, Jameson Williams, who can beat you. If you got three or four of those studs on the outside, guess what? They ain't blitzing because they need all the help they can get on that back end. So I think that there are multiple problems on this on both sides of the ball. Hell, special teams too. Shit, we can't kick it between 53 yards of turf that's in bounds. I mean, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's, it's just not pretty. They're probably going to turn around on this program, be a wake up call. It should, there shouldn't need to be a wake up call. 
but I don't know. There's there's only so much you can do. You're you're in season now. I mean, so I don't know. They they're gonna have to figure something out. Oh, I mean, I'm not being paid ten billion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing. And I kept telling you, is like, how come I can see it and they can't? You know, that they're they're out there. How come I can see it watching on TV? Um, after a couple of cold snacks and they, and they can't see it up there. And, uh, you know, th- there's things you can do in the passing game in order to keep a five-man protection. I know people are going to say that you can't risk having a five-man protection against a blitz with these guys because they can't pick it up. Well, that's why you throw your running backs in the routes. And that's why you throw your tight end in the route. Just tell Latu to go five yards and run an out route. And if you get in trouble, throw it up. He's six foot five. Throw it up and let him elevate and go get it. I mean, you know, that's that's your check down. You got a running back swing route. That's a check down. You get him one-on-one in space. You know, I think our backs are in protection too much. Latu is in protection too much because he's not the greatest pass blocker either. Um, so you're trying to do a lot of seven-man protections and still trying to run a lot of three-man routes. And, you know, I mean, I know Bryce overshot Jameson on one. It looked like he had the defense beat, but there were still three guys there. So, you know, you really don't want to underthrow that ball. And I understand why he overthrew that, because if you underthrow it, you got three, you got six hands there trying to get a pick. You're outnumbered. Uh, but um, let's see, J-Law, what's next, man? What's your next topic? We, we've talked about the defense. We talked about the offense. We talked about Will Reichard screwing up. Um, how, how, how about this? Let me ask you this. How do you think Alabama responds? I, I know we don't know the players on the team. We don't know the mood in the locker room. Will Anderson's pissed off, you know, in his media interview yesterday, he's talking about how, you know, football's got to be the number one, the number one thing. When you come to Alabama, it's the standard, you know, we got to get back to that or whatever. And he said it after the Florida game. He said a lot of people, he said, I guess the team didn't take it serious. So I'm not saying there's a lack of leadership, but maybe there's a lack of getting in your face until you do it right. And I know they don't, they don't make Orlando McLean's every recruiting class, but it would be nice to have somebody like him to go around practice slapping people around that, that aren't in gear. Um, but how, how do you expect this Alabama team to react, not just this Saturday at Miss State, because I honestly think they're going to whoop the hell out of Mississippi State, but can you be consistent every single week? How do you think this team's going to react? Alabama's got to go play a team that just beat the team that you lost to at their place. Dude, I'm nervous about this one. I, I don't know. Like, where, where is Reuben Foster? Where is the Ronnie Harrison? Because there ain't one on defense right now unless it's Will Anderson, and he still could be a little young. Like, where's the Jonathan Allen? You know, hey, man, we, you don't shut teams out in the playoff. We're like, where's the Alabama does? Like, where, where is that for this team? There's no fire on offense to me. There's really no fire on offense other than J-Mo, but he's limited – you feel like you always feel like a, a receiver can't be the leader of the team because they're so they're just so reliant on somebody else getting in the ball. Like you can have a running back, quarterback, left tackle, center. It's hard for that receiver to to control and dictate a game. What Devontae did last year was crazy, but he still wasn't the to me the leader of the team. What about Evan so, Hill? Well, yeah, where, where's where, he at? Like, you remember DJ against Georgia? Right. In the SC championship game, he's looking over the sidelines. He's pointing, so you better freaking run it right here behind me. I mean, that was a dog that like we've never seen before. I mean, where's Evan Neal well, at? Well, just think about just think about B Rob, man. B Rob is B Bill O'Brien 
robbed, be robbed of a hell of a night that he could have had. He just wasn't giving the ball. I mean, like Brian Robinson is waiting to to control that game and run it behind seventy and and, and Evan Neal, who are the best two of the best run blockers in the SEC, and they won't give him the ball. But I'm nervous about this Saturday. I want to see how the team responds. You got a young quarterback who probably a lot of guys on the field field don't think that he's you know earned his stripes yet to be the guy who can boss him around. He's still a sophomore, played no meaningful snaps at all last year. On defense, your signal caller is a guy that just transferred in, probably not the, the, the most vocal of leaders, still trying to win the locker room, hasn't been there a lot. I, I mean, Henry Toto, to me, it's still good. I we heard, he we heard about him. The, the players talked about how he came in and took over the locker room. And so I so fully expect we, him to be a vocal leader. When you talk about leadership, you, there are certain levels of leadership and I'm not sure Henry Toa Toa has, has reached the pinnacle of leadership. And I don't think Pete Golding has either. I think the players only respect Pete Golding because of his position. He's our defensive coordinator. Therefore, we have to listen to him. Dude, Kirby Smart was not just a defensive coordinator at Alabama. He was almost a freaking math. I mean, Kirby Smart, bowl cut, visor, hopping up and down, crazy. Like, that was almost the mascot, man. Jeremy Pruitt the same way. Like, Pete Golding only gets to lead this defense because Nick Saban has told him he can lead the defense. And I think the players know that. I, 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 they, I don't think anybody on the defense has a sense of pride. I don't think our defensive coordinator really has a sense of pride. And, uh, man, and if you're on the road, you got to know that your offense is going to – they're going to struggle a little bit, 106,000 people. Dude, that, to put this in the context, that's 14,000 more people that were in the swamp. That – I mean – that that isn't no joke. So your defense has got to be able to come out and set the tone. They didn't. Offense struggled a little bit. They lose. How do they bounce back this week, dude? I don't know. They haven't played well on the road yet. Here's a wild. Here's a wild. Yeah, that's a good point. Here's a wild question. Do you think that I'm not, I'm not saying a majority of this, maybe a small sliver of the pie with the defensive issues, is maybe due to the nil nil stuff? Do you think that maybe takes away from some film work or? You know, you hear all you hear Nick Saban talk about now is creating value for yourself. We want the players to create value for yourself. You don't hear a lot about the team anymore. You know, we got to play team this, team that. It's about creating value for yourself. And while, yes, I agree with that, do you think maybe it's hurt this defense a little bit that they've lost some value in a team goal and they're worried about themselves and their next deal they can get if they play good? I mean, man. Do our guys got any deals? If they did, they probably not will have them very long. Exactly. And if and if you want to talk about NIL deals or whatever, sure, here's your 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, hundred thousand dollar deal, maybe if you're good enough. But you know the real value that you can create for yourself is that's getting a first round, second round, third round. Yes, but do they lose that folk? Do they lose that vision? Is what I'm saying now. Because whenever you didn't have the NIL, that was your main goal. That, that's well, all you saw. So do you think that maybe takes away from that big vision? It's like, I got to get mines now, you well, know, and then, you know. If, if they saying, maybe a little see, bit. Maybe a little bit. If they, can't see, if they can't see millions down the road, then that's on them. Because you know who don't care about NIL is the guys in the NFL signing no, checks. But they don't know. They, don't, what, give a they don't know what millions is, man. I mean, some of these kids – I like, didn't even have a car in high school, dude. And then all of a sudden, oh, somebody's going to give me $100,000 to do a commercial? Shoot, that's I ain't fair. worried about football. I mean, I'm just saying. I, I'm not saying that that's a key 
that, you know, our locker rooms turn, torn apart and stuff like that. But I'm saying maybe do you think that's a small sliver of what could be a, a, a part of a bigger issue? Of the places that could be affected by NIL, yeah, it's going to be your bigger schools. I mean, but how has Georgia kept their crap together? Because you Georgia's hungry, dude. They never, they don't I, have, I, I, they don't have any, they don't have any food. I mean, they they hungry. They haven't gotten to eat any. I mean, gosh, Alabama's been eating for a decade, and every time Georgia gets there, Alabama just slaps their ass back down to earth. I mean, you look what they did to him in, in Bryant Denny last year. I mean, hung, you know. Hung all those points on them and shut them out in the second half, pit their little walk-on quarterback three times. I mean, dude, those these guys are hungry. And they've got they got I mean, they got some dogs. You know, Kirby's been recruiting his butt off and developing, and now these guys are upperclassmen from the 18-19 recruiting class. You know, guys that's that Alabama was in on, Nicobe Dean, Nolan Smith, guys that were between Alabama and Georgia, Jordan Davis. I mean, there's some there's some dogs on there, and, and they're just they're hungry, and I think that's a that's a big key too, and that's a way bigger part than this little nil stuff is that Alabama they they've had a taste, and I understand that you know we've got some new faces like Henry T, and you know some guys that maybe didn't play as much as they're playing this year um, on the defense or offense that were a part of that national championship team, but I mean when you don't lose for so long. I think because I was I was a part of team I was a part of a 19 game winning streak back when I played, and you don't prepare as hard as you should. I, I don't care if you're going on the road. I mean, this is an unranked three and two team who just got beat at home by Mississippi State. I guarantee you they didn't prepare like the national championship. And a lot of people are like, "Well, you know, that's your problem, whatever." And, and I understand that, and I agree with it, sure. But when you win all these games in a row, dude, when you don't lose for almost two years, that mentality settles in whether you like it or not. It's just how it is. And I'm saying that sometimes when you lose, you get brought down to earth yourself, and this is why my panic level is so low. Sometimes whenever you lose, you know, you, you, you get that fire back. And you're like, you know what, maybe instead of going to Gillette's tonight, maybe I'll stay in and watch some more film. Maybe I'll start to try to – focus and practice a little more on correcting my mistakes and not let them happen again. Maybe I should listen a little bit more as a backup in case we have a targeting or somebody gets hurt. You you see what I'm saying? I think that, you know, losing can be good. I mean, nobody likes to lose. I hate losing more than anybody, but sometimes when you win so much, losing can be a good thing. And, you know, it does suck that you have to be perfect from here on out. But when you lose, that helps you that helps you try to be perfect because it pisses you off. That's true. I, I think a lot of it, you know, you bring up Georgia. It's just, it's just want to, they are hungry. I, you know, I'd love to see that team against a, a real true half line offense. I don't think they've quite faced that just yet. Let me say but this. When Lester, you, let me, let me ask yeah. you to agree with this. Hating to interrupt you, but this just popped into my head. Would you if, – if Alabama would have gone 12-0, if they just squeaked this game out somehow and they have continued this style of play and gone to Jordan-Hare, squeaked it out, squeaked it out against Tennessee, you know, they got a high-powered offense and had a shootout with them, um, squeaked it out with Arkansas, won by 10, 14 points. If they'd have gone to Atlanta, they'd have gotten their ass beat by 20-plus. I guarantee you. With this mentality that the team had before Saturday – let me say this. I think Alabama has a better shot now – after losing, and I had, I think they have a better shot at beating Georgia than they would have if they'd have gone twelve and zero. That's my firm opinion, and I don't, 
you know, that's – and, of course, you know, it all depends on how they react. They might shut down, dude. They, they, I don't know anybody on the team. I don't know their personalities. They might shut down. They might end up 10-2 and two and don't even go to Atlanta. That's, that's possible. But I think that, you know, when you win so much, you forget how to lose. Once you lose and you get humbled, now we got to come together. Now we got to get pissed off. I would rather have a team that's gone through some adversity and actually gotten defeated – you know, rather than a team that's gone 12 and 0 and won, you know, 30 something games by that time or whatever, heading into the SC championship game, I, I'd, I'd prefer a team that's lost. I, I really would. You bring up a good point there. But, you know, thing is, if Alabama plays the exact game and they win by three, I don't think this podcast is much different. You know what I mean? We've been in entirely critical of this team since sure. day one. I don't think the I don't think our tone is much different than what it, I mean it'll be we won but then we rattle off the same crap. You know what I mean? It's 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 just cuz it's about want to. And 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 I go back to the Georgia thing when those guys play defense when a tackle is made there's seven or eight red jerseys getting off the ground. I mean when have we seen that game tackle that toughness here at Alabama? Hopefully it'll come. Hopefully, like you said, this is that wake up call. But I just, know, I, listen, I'm just trying to figure out how do we went we went from being up 35 to zero on Old Miss to right. like we can't get off the field against Zach Calzada. That's what I'm saying, I mean, like, and that's my, that's yeah. exactly the point I was making was yeah. the fact that you know you heard all this shit all last week or two weeks ago about how Lane Kiffin's, you know, they scored 48 on you last year. They said an Alabama record for yards given up. Um, you know, if Alabama doesn't have that offense, they don't win the game. They heard all that smack. And then leading up to the A&M game, they, they heard nothing. They heard, oh, this team got beat by Mississippi State at home. They got a backup quarterback. They got two true freshman offensive linemen. They got a corner, a cornerback out, you know, wh- whatever the case was. And so I think that completely changes your tone when you're an 18, 19-year-old kid and how you prepare for the game. Plus, you know, on top of the fact that you've won 20-something in a row, I think that's a, that's, that's a huge difference. And I think that's exactly what you saw. And that's the reason it played out like it did. Lester always asks this question, and we all know the answer. Sometimes, man, you got you to gotta have a, a dude that just doesn't like, okay, I love football. But this is college, man. You got to have some dudes that don't want to – they want to carry Alabama. Like, it, it ain't about just beating A&M. It ain't just – like, they want to – like, they got to – I don't want to sound like Auburn here, but they got to love Alabama. Like, where's the guys that are just like, man, this is Alabama football. I'm going 100%. Throwing it all out here tonight. I don't care if we're playing Mercer, A&M, Florida, Georgia. doesn't matter. Like, where are those guys? We had a few last year, man. We really did. I'm not so sure. Like, where's where's the alpha on this team that that's that just doesn't want to lose? Not because they don't want to lose, but because they don't want to. They want to. They don't feel like we do. You know what I'm saying, dude? I, I guarantee you, I took that loss harder than anybody in that locker room. Well, I mean, you got. I felt like I did. I think I Will know, Anderson. I think Will Anderson is that guy. I just maybe kids nowadays don't respond to. I, I don't know. It, it's tough. It's like I don't know. I don't know, because like we are talking about earlier, when Jonathan Allen opened his mouth, you listened, and the players listened. When Rolando McClain opened his mouth, all the players stopped what they were doing, and they listened. Hell, coaches listened to him. 
And so maybe Will Anderson is that guy and just the team, maybe this person, this personality of, or the different personalities of the team, maybe they just don't respond to it. That could be an issue. And that's why that's another reason why I, I want to wait and see how they react to the team, because I'm not going to take anything away from Mississippi state game. Alabama can come out and win that game 45 to three. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to get excited. I'm not, I want to see how you do the next five weeks. That's what I want to see. If you can play with consistency and constantly beat people to sleep like you've done in the past and keep that mindset of, hey, don't let that A&M game leave your mind. Just because we beat the hell out of three teams in a row, don't let it get out of your mind. you got to come out every single week like you just came off of a loss. You see what I'm saying? That's why I'm not going to take anything from these next two weeks against Mississippi State and Tennessee. Lester, next. I mean, what, what else do you want to talk about, guys? I'm going to open up the floor to you guys. Um, we basically what about covered, Bryce. I mean, Bryce is okay. I told I had I told him I had um, I had my concerns about the protection. He slid the offensive line the wrong way multiple times, and I could see it on TV. I don't know exactly what he saw. Um, maybe right, in their but, scouting report that you know they showed blitz from the left and brought it from the right. Uh, that was that's a possibility. Something that I would not know. Um, but what it looked like on TV that he just completely screwed up. Um, but other than that, I mean, throwing the ball, other than the pick, man, you know, I, I, still, know, I still think if he throws that ball up to Billingsley that he completes it, I don't think you need to be throwing chest high passes on the goal line to six foot five guys. I'd like to see that ball with some air up under it. I don't know. You think, I don't know, you know, he's this is only his fifth collegiate game. I mean, the biggest crowd he's ever been in front of and. I don't know. Some of those throws look like he was just a little tight on, like just balls thrown in the dirt. Like he was just, just tense. Just, I don't know. And if I could be completely wrong, but if that was the case, he's just a sophomore, never played in front of this crowd before. You know, it, I don't know. I, I don't think this is just as crisp of a Bryce performance as, as, as we've seen. But given the circumstances, it's understandable. You know what I mean? You know, the ball to Billingsley or there's another one to Latu, they were just not good passes. You know what I mean? Like not on point. Well, sure. And, and I get that. And I think that's because he's a – I guess – like you ever, heard the term, you ever heard of the term trash shooter in basketball? My dad was one when he played. He's going to – He's not going to take the open three. He's going to drive up in the lane and double clutch and throw up hook shots and just trash. It just goes in. And I think that Bryce plays quarterback a little bit. He doesn't really have a lot of mechanics. He kind of just bounces around in the pocket. He's got a quick release. I mean, I sent y'all the picture of the touchdown that he threw uh, to Mechie against Ole Miss. His feet were square with the 20-yard line like he was shooting a free throw. I mean, his feet were square to the line. It's just horrible mechanics. But he's got a rocket, and so maybe that's just how he – I mean, he was like that in high school. Maybe that's just how he plays quarterback. But I think sometimes that does affect his his accuracy. Um, I mean, Bryce is 58%, but, I mean, how many how many drops were we actually credited with? I mean, Mechie dropped two. Billingsley dropped one. Latu dropped one. The guy could have easily been 65 66%. I don't care, dude. The, the, the drop that Billingsley had on the last drop, dude, that's on him. I'm sorry, man. It was low. It was a little low, but it hit him in the numbers. And I, somebody tweeted out today, um, Bryce's adjusted completion percentage is 
So if our receivers just caught the ball, they're supposed to catch, he goes up 12 points in completion percentage. Like that, we've had a lot of drops this year, guys. Like we, it didn't, I don't think it, and, and I think it was, I think I counted seven, about six or seven drops against AM. And the problem was they were on like second and 10 or third and seven. And dude, you can't win on the road like that. So I would chase. It, regardless of what happens against Mississippi State, do they got to play four or five games in a row, lights out, before I think that they can go into Jordan Hayer and win the way that I'd like us to win? I'm not counting anything out. I'm not saying they don't make the playoff, but that team that we saw Saturday, mm-hmm. that's not a, that's not championship caliber. The no, week before no, was the best team in college football, but so how how are they going to put those things together? Um, we'll see. Yeah, you got to come together. You got to show consistency in Bryant Denny and on the road. Um, and you, you know, yeah, you know, I, I can still you can still credit some of the COVID stuff. You know, last year when you go on the road, you get to play in front of fifteen thousand people. You know, you can you you don't even you don't even need headsets. You can just yell at each other down the sidelines. I mean. And so your communication is a lot easier. Um, there's no cadence issues. You, you can you can clap, you can yell, do whatever you want. And um, I don't think that's something you can replicate in practice. I don't care how many speakers you bring out there. Uh, then you know your two your two road games are at the swamp and at Kyle Field. Not easy places to play, man. I mean, you'd have loved to for him to be at you know at Ole Miss or at. I don't know, Kentucky or at Vanderbilt, something like that. You love for your your first two road games back to 100% capacity being those types of arenas. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, there weren't. So, I mean, that that could easily have something to do with it. Be interesting to see how they respond. We'll learn a lot about this team going forward. Yep. And, you know, truly, I'm going to be very – Great be, teams get pissed off. Yeah, I'm gonna be very mellow on the podcast these next couple of weeks. Even if Alabama wins big, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump to any conclusions, is what I'm saying. Um, now you go to Mississippi State and you win 21 to 20, then I'll start leaning more towards that panic mode of you know, there's a real issue when you play on the road. Um, because yeah, I mean, you know, you got the iron bowl coming up. Um it's it's or not coming up, but in uh in, in seven weeks. Um, so that'll definitely be a tough play. So you go, you go and you squeak past Mississippi State after just getting beat on the road. That'll that'll raise my eyebrows a little bit. But um Jay Law, you got anything else? Yeah, guy, I'm, I mean I'm pretty much good. Alabama, they need to take care of business. They need to get better. They need Auburn to lose about two more games now. You gotta think about now if Auburn has two losses. In the SEC, they can still have the the head to head win over Alabama. So I mean, like, if you thought Aggie Land was loud, wait until you're in Jordan Hare with Auburn with a chance to win the SEC West. Like, that's just not a situation this team should be in. And um, but it's it's the one that they're in right now. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. Uh, I've, I've had a rough couple of days. You does Auburn, does Auburn beat hat. Arkansas? Does Auburn beat Auburn beat Arkansas on the road this weekend, eleven a.m.? That's a tricky one. Eleven a.m. I don't know. I, I think that they can take care of business. I talked to some Auburn fans this week, and they like left the the Georgia game feeling good. And I don't under I don't understand it. Like I get Georgia's a great defense, 
But Auburn played – to me, Auburn played out of their minds and still got beat by 24. I mean, it's moral victory so, you, dude. I mean, you know, that we're the first ones this year to get 300 yards of offense on Georgia. That, that's, I mean, it's a win for them. It's just who they are. You got Bruce hanging around down there with his freaking shirt off with a bunch of 18, 19-year-old kids and, in the student section, plus, Cam, plus jobless Cam Newton. I mean, you, you're just getting your ass whooped. Like, that's just – this is not a great look, man. No, I, and I get it. They had 300 yards on them, but you know Georgia's deep. Like they didn't score. That's that's Georgia ain't worried about yards. They're worried about how many points you score on them, and and that, well, they still haven't given up more than 10, have they? I mean, that's so. Well, good, South Carolina dude. scored 13, but it, one of them was a defense right, 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 defense touchdown. So, and I mean that's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Okay. Lester, moving on to baseball. ALDS. Uh, you know, it's going to be really tough if you win 100 games in the uh, in the regular season and you're a clear-cut favorite to win the ALDS, you know, no matter who you play. And then you just – you win the first game, you're rolling down there, and you go ahead and order some champagne, and then <laughs> he left. <laughs> he left. Lester, can you believe that, man? Can you believe J-Law just dipped off the podcast – because he can't talk about the Rays just getting absolutely stung by the Boston Red Sox. Oh, oh, he's back. He's back. J-Log, give me your thoughts on where the Rays go from here, man. I mean, you can't get it done against the Red Sox. The time, the clock is ticking on these young guys, man. You had, you had the, the number one overall pick for 15 years in a row. All of a sudden, it's coming to fruition. You got all these young studs. Man, clock's ticking. We got to get it going. It just hadn't been the best couple of days, man. Like, I thought I could recover on Sunday. Uh, or no, was it Monday? Sunday or Monday? Yeah, Sunday. I thought, all right, no. Rays drop one at home. Let's just go get one back at Fenway, come back to the trop, win this one. You were better than the Red Sox all year. I mean, you weren't just – it just wasn't that you were better than the Red Sox all year. I mean, dude, you were better than everybody all year. And you – I, I don't know, man. I, it's just a bit tough. And you just watch baseball. it happen. Yeah. They just they're just not built for it, man. And maybe they'll move to Nashville where the where the fans will love them and appreciate them. And um, I don't know, but when a when a Rosarena stole home in game one, I thought we were sweeping. That's I was like, this thing's over. No, that was an embarrassment. I know, so I'm saying like I was like, they they can't hang Ed. Three games later, here we are. Asses back on the couch, ready to watch, <laughs> ready to watch the Braves, I guess. Yep, yep, here we go. Um, yeah, Lester talking about the the Braves and Brewers. You know, Brewers another heavy favorite in, in this series. Um, the Braves had the worst record, including wildcard teams, the worst record of anybody of any other team in the playoffs. And uh, nobody's giving these guys a shot. And they come in once again, lose the first game. And then I don't think – do they even score 10 runs like the whole series combined? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think so. It was, a good, it was definitely a good, a, a good pitching series, pitching goal series kind of. So, yeah. yeah it so, was, uh, who were the Braves looking, was, at, looking at taking on, either the Dodgers or the Giants? Dodgers or the Giants. Um, oh, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they're gonna make it this far, but my other buddies in the other group take some man, Bill and BB and mm-hmm. and Bird. But when Ronald Acuna Jr., I got to give myself, oh, well, not credit. I'm gonna call myself out here. 
when he tore his ACL down there in Miami and the trade down was coming up, I wanted to trade everybody. Charlie Morton, anybody who's not here for longer than, you know, end of the season, do whatever you got to do, get some pieces, prepare for the future. And I could not have been more wrong because here they are heading back to the, you know, NLCS for the second year in a row, you know, Dodgers and Giants. It's going to be a tall task. It's going to be a tall order. But once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward um, to, you know, the next season of the Braves. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a lot easier. I think it's a lot easier to watch, man. Because, I mean, as, as a fan, of course, you're going to get upset when your team loses. But, and, and, I mean, sorry, Jayla. It's just, I, I, Lester, I, I told you and Bill, I was like, I, we beat the Yankees. And that's a World Series in itself when it comes to the, the Boston Yankee rivalry. Um, and, but, you know, the winner's got to play the Rays. And so you don't really expect to get that far. And so you watch the series. Of course, I got mad when they lost game one because, you know, it was embarrassing. Like a Rosarena just stealing home our dumbass pitchers looking into the dugout. Um, and, and so it's a lot easier to watch, though, when you're such huge underdogs. And, like, you know, like I said, of course you're going to be upset. Um, but – it's not going to be as bad, I guess, if you get smoked by the Giants or Dodgers and if the Red Sox get get beat four games to, to two or four games to one by the Astros because it's, it's expected. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jayla, I, I told you, man, I said, you know, hopeful loses on Friday. We don't even score. We get shut out. Um, quarterback break or hurts his, hurts his shoulder. And uh, then Bama loses on Saturday. I was like, man, I need this. Like, y'all just give me this. Uh, I know JL had a bad weekend, but I have one too. And uh, thankfully, the Sox got me a, a walk off on Sunday. And then, then you know, last night, um, I didn't have a lot of faith in Eddie Rodriguez. I was texting Lester and Bill. I was like, Erod got, you know, got totaled in game one by the Rays. And then he just comes out balling, you know, one of the best performances of his career. And um, and Red Sox just got some timely hits, man, and and, and they just got it done. But, you know, heading into Houston, I'm not expecting anything. Like, I I just expect to win one game. I'm calling the series 4-1 Houston. Um, Lester, I got to ask you this. As a Braves fan, what do the the Giants have, like 108 wins and the Dodgers have, like, 106? I mean, who who would you rather play? Um, I would rather play the Giants uh, for sure. is that because you think the Braves actually match up better or because the Giants still have a bunch of nobodies that are just having career years? Yeah, I a part of me just doesn't want the Dodgers to succeed at all. You know, the highest payroll in baseball traded for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in the middle of the season. I mean, they're the most talented team in baseball, probably. That's that's no joke. Baseball history. And, yeah, and, yeah, and they should be. But I, you know, screw them for sure. I really wanted them to lose in the wild cards to the Cardinals. Um, but yeah, screw the Dodgers. You know, if the Braves were, now, if the Braves were to beat a team, sure, I would love yeah. to be. I would love to be against the Dodgers to get revenge from last year. Yeah, um, having my hopes and dreams of going to a World Series uh, dashed, um, ruined. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would much rather face the. Uh, the Giants. I'll, I'll never forget 2020. So, J-Law, if you had to pick, I, I know you don't like either of these teams. Um, if you had to pick, are you rocking with the Sox or are you going with the Astros? 
I don't know, man. Red Sox go hot right now. They got a lot of momentum rolling. No, no, just who you who are you pulling for? Now you think you're going to win. Oh, who man, who, well, do, you, who do you like I, the least? Or who do, who, do you, who do you dislike the most? Dude, that's going to say, I, how can you root for the Astros, man? I know. Like, I don't yeah. – you can't. Yeah. It's can't root for them. I would never root for the Braves, but, you know, <laughs> on that side. But I, I you almost if – you're, if you're in the AL and you're thinking of it, if there's a team in the AL right now, I mean, they're not rooting for the Astros, a bunch of cheaters. I mean, you got to go sauce. I think it, this is going to be one of the few times where everybody in baseball is rooting for the Red Sox. Yeah, I really wish, Matthew, could have joined us for this last 10 minutes to, to talk about this series because I know he's all about it, big baseball guy. And, you know, he actually tweeted. I don't think Matthew's tweeted in a couple of months. But the Rays actually drug him out of his Twitter shell, and he actually tweeted about it. He said, Kevin Cash, get him out. I'm like, dude, this guy gets to the World Series last year, makes a mistake, and then just comes back and wins a Honda without Tyler Glass now for half the season. I mean, Lester's fantasy team felt that, but uh, Kevin Cash felt it more. I think he did, he did a tremendous job. Plus, you know, you got Wander Franco up, and you got a bunch of guys on their rookie contracts who are still hungry. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're not money chasing yet, which is, which is great. And I think Atlanta has kind of the same deal, Lester. But um, I'm going to stop torturing J-Law. Um, I'll wait till next year to torture him because we'll be in the same situation, hopefully. But, uh, Lester, you got anything else? Or J-Law, you got anything else before we hop out of here? He does not. All right, Lester, what you got, man? A lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. Um, Come on, Braves but- or Alabama? Alabama, um, but there's no one who I'd rather have in charge than that that five foot six, two million dollar man under the Melmore complex. So I'm Real sure quick, they're dude. doing a lot of work. Real quick, the, people huh? are people are on the on the national scale are talking about Saban's losses fired. Do you, do you agree with any of that? I mean, I, they might just be you know uh, some shit, seeing what sticks, but I don't necessarily think he's lost fire. That's, um, not, maybe, the, that's maybe, not the right way to put it. Maybe just doesn't show it as much out in public you know what i'm saying there's no telling what he's doing behind closed doors right right yeah loss is fire i mean surely we all get <laughs> surely i don't know i mean i'm sure you probably see this with 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 your parents and your kids but there's an old comedian who had a joke that said you know everybody wishes that their parents were kind of how their grandparents, how the, the grandparents are, how they treat their kids. Mm-hmm. And basically the comedian said is, well, they're just trying to get to heaven now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why they're so nice to the grandkids. They're just trying to get to heaven. Now. Yeah. And uh, um, so, so yeah, you know, they just got grandkids now. I'm sure it's reflecting life and things have changed. He's getting older now. I'm sure a doctor's telling him, look, bro, you can't explode at every little thing. I don't know if your heart can take it. <laughs> yeah. but like, you know, yeah. so I'm sure he he had, you know, you know, life happens and you know, age happens. So I'm sure he's mellowed out a little bit, but that fire and that intensity is still there. He probably just shows it in different ways now. Yeah. And of course, and of course, when you're recruiting 16, 17, when you're recruiting these punk little kids who can't take um, getting fussed and yelled at. They don't want to see Nick blowing up on ESPN weekly. But dang, I don't want to deal with this crap. So you know, perspective has changed for sure around uh, coach. Well said, brother. We're getting out of here. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law, episode forty-six, of the Gump Runners podcast. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>